0: Section Nine of Lucrezia Borgia by Ferdinand Gregorovius. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Emily Maynard. Book One, Chapter Nine: Lucrezia Leaves Rome. By the end of the year fourteen ninety three, Alexander had amply provided for all his children. Caesar was a cardinal. Giovanni was a duke in Spain, and Euphreys was soon to become a Neapolitan prince the last the pope's youngest son was united in marriage may seventh fourteen ninety four in naples to donna Sancha, in the same day on which his father-in-law alfonso ascending the throne as the successor of king ferdinand was crowned by the papal legate giovanni borgia don Giuffre remained in naples and became prince of squillace giovanni also received great fiefs in that kingdom where he called himself duke of suesa and prince of teano for some time longer Lucretia's spouse remained in Rome, where the Pope had taken him into his pay in accordance with an agreement with Ludovico il Moro, under whom Sforza served. His position at Alexander's court, however, soon became ambiguous. His uncles had married him to Lucretia to make the Pope a confederate and accomplice in their schemes, which were directed toward the overthrow of the reigning family of Naples. Alexander however clung closely to the aragonese dynasty he invested King Alfonso with the title to the Kingdom of Naples, and declared himself opposed to the expedition of Charles Eighth. Sforza thereby was thrown into no slight perplexity, and early in April 1494 he informed his uncle Ludovico of his dubious position in the following letter. Yesterday His Holiness said to me in the presence of Monsignor Cardinal Ascanio, Well, Giovanni Sforza, what have you to say to me? I answered, Holy Father everyone in Rome believes that your holiness has entered into an agreement with the king of Naples who is an enemy of the state of Milan If this is so I am in an awkward position as I am in the pay of your holiness and also in that of the state I have named if things continue as they are I do not know how I can serve one party without falling out with the other and at the same time I do not wish to offend i asked that your holiness may be pleased to define my position so that i may not become an enemy of my own blood and not act contrary to the obligations into which i have entered by virtue of my agreement with your holiness and the illustrious state of milan he replied saying that i took too much interest in his affairs and that i should choose in whose pay i would remain according to my contract and then he commanded the above-named Monsignor to write to your excellency What you will learn from his lordship's letter my lord if i had foreseen in what a position i was to be placed i would sooner have eaten the straw under my body than have entered into such an agreement i cast myself in your arms i beg your excellency not to desert me but to give me help favor and advice how to resolve the difficulty in which i am placed so that i may remain a good servant of your excellency Preserve for me the position and the little nest which, thanks to the mercy of Milan, my ancestors left me, and I and my men of war will ever remain at the service of Your Excellency. Giovanni Sforza. Rome, April, 1494. The letter plainly discloses other and deeper concerns of the writer, such, for example, as the future possession of his domain of Pesaro. The Pope's plans to destroy all the little tyrannies and fiefs in the States of the Church had already been clearly revealed. Shortly after this, April twenty third, Cardinal della Rovere slipped away from Ostia and into France to urge Charles the Eighth to invade Italy, not to attack Naples, but to bring this simoniacal pope before a council and depose him. At the beginning of July, Ascanio Sforza, now openly at strife with Alexander, also left the city. He went to Genazzano and joined the Colonna, who were in the pay of France. Charles the Eighth was already preparing to invade Italy. The Pope and King Alfonso met at Vicovaro, near Tivoli, July 14th. In the meantime important changes had taken place in Lucretia's palace. Her husband had hurriedly left Rome, as he could do as a captain of the church, in which capacity he had to join the Neapolitan army, now being formed in Romagna under the command of the Duke Ferrante of Calabria. By his nuptial contract he was bound to take his bride with him to Pesaro she was accompanied by her mother venozza giulia farnese and madonna adriana alexander himself through fear of the plague which had appeared commanded them to depart the mantuan ambassador in rome reported this to the marchese gonzaga may sixth and also wrote him on the fifteenth as follows the illustrious lord giovanni will certainly set out monday or tuesday accompanied by all three ladies who by the pope's order will remain in pesaro until august when they will return Sforza's departure must have taken place early in June, for on the 11th of that month a letter from Ascania was sent to his brother in Milan, informing him that the Lord of Pesaro with his wife, and Madonna Giulia, the Pope's mistress, together with the mother of the Duke of Gandia and Giuffre, had set out from Rome for Pesaro, and that His Holiness had begged Madonna Giulia to come back soon. Alexander had returned to Rome from Vicovaro, July 18th, and on the 24th he wrote his daughter the following letter. Alexander the Sixth, Pope by his own hand. Donna Lucretia, dearest daughter, for several days we have had no letter from you. Your neglect to write us often and tell us how you and Don Giovanni, our beloved son, are, causes us great surprise. In future, be more heedful and more diligent. Madonna Adriana and Julia have reached Capodimonte, where they found the latter's brother dead his death caused the cardinal and julia such distress that both fell sick of the fever we have sent pietro carranza to look after them and have provided physicians and everything necessary we pray to god and the glorious madonna that they will soon be restored of a truth don giovanni and yourself have displayed very little thought for me in this departure of madonna adriana and julia since you allowed them to leave without our permission for you should have remembered it was your duty that such a sudden departure without our knowledge would cause us the greatest displeasure and if you say that they did so because cardinal farnese commanded it you ought to have asked yourself whether it would please the pope however it is done but another time we will be more careful and we will look about to see where our interest lies we are thanks to god and the glorious virgin very well we have had an interview with the illustrious king alfonso who showed us no less love and obedience than he would have shown had he been our own son. I cannot tell you with what satisfaction and contentment we took leave of each other. You may be certain that His Majesty stands ready to place his own person and everything he has in the world at our service. We hope that all differences and quarrels in regard to the Colonna will be completely laid aside in the three or four days. At present I have nothing more to say than to warn you to be careful of your health and constantly to pray to the Madonna given in rome in st peter's july twenty fourth fourteen ninety four this letter is the first of the few extant written by alexander to his daughter his reproof was due to the sudden departure of his mistress contrary to his original instructions from pesaro before august from there julia went to capodimonte to look after her sick brother angelo According to a Venetian letter written by Marino Sanuto, she had left Rome chiefly for the purpose of attending the wedding of one of her kinsmen, and the writer describes her in this place as, quote, the Pope's favorite, a young woman of great beauty and understanding, gracious and gentle. Alexander's letter shows us that his mistress remained in communication with him after her departure from Rome. End of section 9